So um, we've talked about this a few times that we got Jesus to Jerusalem and then we had to wait and not do this passage because of the way things work and we talked about his, uh, the week between when he arrived in Jerusalem and, and his crucifixion. So now here we are back. We can sort it out, right? And uh, we're thinking about entrances, best entrances. I wonder if you have considered, for whatever occasion this would be, what your walk-up music would be. Like maybe we should have a, a day where we each pick a song, and as you come into church, we play your song when you come in the building, right? Uh, this happens in, in baseball. This happens in, in other things. It, it happens in wrestling. The, one of the best walk-ins ever is apparently The Undertaker. Now, I, you know, I've talked about wrestling a lot. I never watch wrestling, but I just for some reason it's on my mind these days. Uh, here's another one. Um, I remember distinctly I was in seminary, and I went to see Terminator 2. I did not see Terminator 1, which makes Terminator 2 not quite as awesome because remember, has everyone seen Terminator 2? And I remember in Terminator 2, you don't know what Arnold Schwarzenegger is. And he was a bad guy. Now he's a good guy, I guess. And so I was all lost on me. And everyone was freaking out in the theater when they saw him for the first time. Okay, no, that's not a great story, I promise. Uh, okay, better is when Ozzy Smith would come in to the game when he'd be introduced. Remember this? Uh, he would come in and do a flip. Uh, one of the greatest entrances of all, baseball. I love baseball so much. I'm so glad it's back. Ozzy Smith. Entrances. You never have a second chance to make a first impression. This is Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. And, and so, you know, we've talked about all these things. Uh, we've gotten ready for this moment. We, we even talked about before this with uh, Zacchaeus and this parable. And then we talked about him crying and cleansing. It's all right around this time where he comes in. And so today I've got three points for you. We're going to talk about control, comfort, and call. Control, comfort, call. So control first. And this is in uh, 1930, which uh, Ronnie read for us. Jesus gives instructions to his disciples, two of the disciples. Go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you just say this. The Lord has need of it. This is an interesting little tidbit, isn't it? Uh, you sort of wonder how this actually went down. When they, when they get to this colt and the guy's like, why are you taking my donkey? And they just, this is what they say, the Lord has need of it. Like, did that work? I guess it did. And so to put it in perspective, think about like if, if Jesus came and said, hey, there's a red Toyota Corolla down in the, by the mall, and I want you to go there and bring it to me because I need it. And if the owner of the Corolla says, why are you taking it? Just say, I, I, the Lord needs it. That's what we're talking about. How does Jesus know this? Now remember, Passover is crazy. There are all these people from all over the world, really. They have come. They have 
walked miles and miles and miles to get to Jerusalem. It's a big deal. They're going to be there for the whole week for the Passover. It's crazy. It's chaotic. There's hustle and bustle. And Jesus knows where this donkey is. He's the king in charge. He's in control. And things are about to get super intense, as we know. And people are going to wonder, is this the way it's supposed to happen? But Jesus is asserting his authority. And think about how he is the king and his authority versus the Jewish leaders, the Jewish authorities, the Roman leaders, the Roman authorities, and what a contrast they are. Things seem like they're out of control all the time, don't they? I've told you about my last few marches and how miserable they've been, and you've been a part of some of them, right? But I was thinking also today about, uh, because I was thinking about how I got here, and, and Julie, Julie and I were visiting her mom, you know, who is a psychiatric nurse at Johns Hopkins, on our little trip, and this was early November, and uh, we were having a great visit. And then her mom had knee surgery, and I left because she just had a one-bedroom apartment. And then I came back, and that's when Julie said, hey, we need to move to Baltimore. That was in November, uh, which I would have never expected. And that's why I'm here with you. or connected to that. Go back two other Novembers. In November 2000, I was about to graduate from seminary, and I had a phone call because someone wanted me to come start RUF at the University of Arizona. And that seemed like a great opportunity, and I was on the phone. It was right around Thanksgiving time, and after I got off the phone, I was like, this is probably what's going to happen. And, and Julie didn't feel good about it. So we decided not to go to Tucson, and then we got asked to go to Oklahoma. That's what got us to Oklahoma, saying no to Tucson. I didn't know that that was going to happen. And then the 10 years later, in 2010, I was, had done 10 years at RUF, and I was thinking of planting a church, and I had gone through the process to go back to my hometown, Springfield, Missouri, and plant there. I was like 95% of all the way through. And on that same Thanksgiving weekend, I got a phone call, and the leader of the Presbytery Committee said, no, it's not going to happen. It's off the table. Abruptly. So that's why I went to Oklahoma City, which turned out great. So these Novembers have been changing my life. I should have seen this one coming I, I should have, now that I think about it. And so what is God doing in your life? How is he showing his sovereignty and his control? How did you get here today to find this church, to be in this city, to be connected to each other, Right? And then, does Jesus care? So we have this control, but like, does he care in the midst of control? It seems so crazy and chaotic all the time. We wonder how things are going to turn out. And we look back and say, like, how did we meet each other if you're married? Or, or what if I would have married someone else? Or, or why am I not married? Why have I not 
met someone? Why did he give me these kids? Or why has he not given me kids? You know, I think sometimes about, like, what would it be to be the opposite gender? Or why did he put me in this family? Or or what if I had been born a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago? Or what if I would have been born in China? I mean, there are all these things that God has done to place us in this time in this place. Is he in control and does he care? Does he care about who's your next pastor? And this text is just a little blip in saying like, yeah, he's actually in charge. In the midst of all of it, he knows and he does care. There's a little piece of that right here. Okay, but so he's in control does he bring comfort? This is where we, you know, understand not only did he know where this donkey was, he picked a donkey. Now, you know, donkeys are not maybe the most noble animal. There's a reason why the donkey is sort of a crazy character in Shrek, right? It's not entirely awe-inspiring. This is a humble beast. Can this donkey capture the attention of the crowds? Most certainly, yes. Because they've been hearing rumors. You know, around the the region, all over, they've been hearing about this Jesus person. The word has gotten out. And so they are coming not only for Passover, but they think they might get a glimpse of someone who's been doing some... Impressive stuff. You know, when you serve uh, food to 5,000 at least people, word gets around. Maybe the Messiah is here. There's a guy from Bethlehem and Nazareth who might show up, and we want to see him. They have eschatological hopes, eschatological hopes, because they've been under all these rules. You think about the Jewish people, right? about God's people. Uh, They've been enslaved in Egypt. They've been uh, uh, occupied by the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Greeks and now the Romans. If you think about maybe from 1000 B.C. to 1960, they have not had very many moments of peace in their region, in their homeland also think about it like this way. If, if the Russians had taken over Kiev, what would that be like for the Ukrainians? They cry out. They cling to the promises of deliverance. And that means they need a deliverer. So they've been thinking about it, praying about it, talking about it, dreaming about it, singing about it. And maybe this is the year. That's what the Cubs fans used to think, right? For a hundred years. And then it finally happened. Maybe this is the year when our team gets to win. Maybe this is the year when when I get to see the thing that I've wanted and longed for happen. Maybe this is the year where what we read in the call to worship, this Zechariah 9.9, the king is coming, righteous, having salvation, humble, and mounted on a donkey, 
on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, this is happening. And when they see this donkey come in with, with Jesus on it, what do they do? Throw their cloaks down. Now that seems odd, doesn't it? Um, cloaks in the Bible. You think of cloaks in the Bible? Joseph and the coat of many colors. Uh, Ruth put her cloak down when she went in to see Boaz. Elisha and Elijah had a cloak exchange. And then maybe also the prodigal son, when, when the father came out and put his robe on him. So these cloaks represent a person's dignity, worth, inheritance. They, they were filled with meaning. Man, I had this coat from the 80s that I would love to have back. Oh, it went out to like here, and it it came down like this, and it buttoned, you know. Uh, It was black with like purple flecks in it. Oh, wished I wouldn't have given that away. Mm. But it's really more like a letter jacket. Letter jackets really aren't a thing as much anymore, are they? But, you know, in in our school... Everyone had a leather jacket, and you had all your stuff on it. You know, it dangled things, like it made noise. And it was like, this is who I am. We had like competitions to see how many patches you get on. So more like that. So like when Jesus comes in, and they throw their leather jackets down, they're saying, this, you can have this. It's a symbolic of, of everything about me. My life, my identity, my values to the king. It's, it's a reminder that there's really two big responses to Jesus. Um, to crown him or to crucify him. And, and Jesus himself doesn't leave a lot of room for anywhere in between. Uh, he, he doesn't expect people to go like, man. Whatever. No, he, he pushes a decision. You've heard before probably that uh, Jesus can be a liar. He can be a lunatic. He's just crazy. Like pe- If people say they're God, we don't listen to them. So he can be lying, just self-deluded. He could be a lunatic. He could also be a legend. Like, he didn't really exist. This is like King Arthur stuff, you know? Or he can be the Lord. Those are your choices. And so the text pushes a response on us. You remember the Pharisees, they don't like any of this. They they don't want to see this happen. They've already decided. These religious leaders who've been expecting a Messiah have figured out in their minds that this is not the right person. They're embarrassed. They want Jesus to tone all this down. And Jesus says, no, the stones will cry out. Creation knows who I am. If you don't cry out, nature will. The religious leaders miss it. And think about all that's happening that we just talked about. Jesus and Zacchaeus. The the Mina story. The cleansing of the temple. The culminating 
chapters of this week that end in his crucifixion. How is this a triumphant entry when we know what's going to happen next? Well, I think the clue here is it's, it's the donkey. Uh, kings have a couple choices when they enter the city, right? You, you can go with strength or confidence. They both sort of the same a little bit. But if you want to go with the, the strength or the power, then you come in in a limo with secret service all around. You come in in a tank, right? This is the, the, the impressive North Korea parade of all the armaments that come through. And what is that signifying? Don't mess with us. We are strong. We are powerful. We will destroy you. You come in on a Hummer, right? Think of the Romans would come in on a chariot with a stallion. Or you can go the other way. You can be so confident that nothing's going to happen that you can just walk in. You're like, I don't want any protection because no one's going to hurt me. That's how confident I am of my position. This is, you know, coming in on a bike. Or they used to bring people in on a, on a chair. Or this is like the Pope Mobile, right? It's not that impressive. You can come in on a donkey. A donkey signifies that you are coming in confidently and you're bringing peace, not war, not destruction. Now, Jesus will come back, and what is he going to come back in on the next time? We are told in Revelation, a war horse. This is Revelation 19, 11, that Jesus is coming back. But he has come as a king. The Westminster Catechism has a great question and answer in the number 26. How does Christ fulfill the office of a king? He subdues us to himself. He rules over us and he defends us from his and our enemies. Jesus is a prophet. Jesus is a priest. Jesus is a king. And he's coming in peace. He's coming to adopt his children. He's coming to marry his bride, the church, because he cherishes us and loves us and gives us mercy. He's tender and weeping over suffering. He's praying for us, and he's in charge. He's in charge, amen. Lastly, call. What has Jesus been doing all this time? In his short ministry, three years, uh, in mostly rural settings, out in the countryside, he's got this small band of followers. Have you thought about how Jesus could have theoretically been more effective if he like, would have gone and talked to the politicians? Like if he would have gone to Rome and talked to Caesar himself, and convinced him of who he was, that could have had a downstream effect on everyone. He could have talked to, you know, Josephus. And Josephus could have written all this stuff about him all across the world. He could have gone to Egypt. Right? I mean, just think of all the places he could have done, the influencers. And he instead 
ministers to the poor and the weak and the suffering and the marginalized. It's, it's almost, almost entirely ignores the power structures of the world. It's a, such an interesting strategy. But and he also, you know, says things like this, take up your cross and follow me. Does that sound like awesome? Serve others. The least is the greatest. The last is first. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Who says that? He says, go and, and preach and baptize and disciple. We, we just have to continually remember that Jesus' kingdom, if he's the king, his kingdom is foolishness. I mean, what did Nietzsche say? The opiate for the masses is it's just like nothing. And here he is riding in with that message for us. So the application then would be, what's your response? Crown him, crucify him. Liar, lunatic, legend, Lord. Oh, what, what do we think about him? How does he uh, coming into our lives? Considering he's come already once and he's coming again, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to his call to share him with the suffering world in a godless world? How do we revolt against his call? Are, are we more like the Pharisees or the crowds? How will we set aside our own needs and preferences to serve others? Jesus came to seek and serve the lost. He didn't come for the well. He came for the sick and the suffering. How can we love our obnoxious neighbor, spouse, parent? Sometimes, you know, every once in a while, obnoxious. How do we lay down our lives for our friends, neighbors? Jesus is coming back. We give him our, our very lives, our identities, our joys, our fears, our letter jackets, our cloaks. How is he bringing peace into our lives? Will we trust his purposes, his goodness on us? You know, I heard someone uh, say recently just think if everyone could be just 20% as good as Dolly Parton. The world would be totally transformed. Now, I love Dolly Parton, and she's got a song that gets me every time, The Coat of Many Colors. Heard the song, right? She tells a little story where she was poor, and uh, her mom got a box of rags, and so her mom made a coat out of these rags, a coat of many colors, right? Uh, she sewed the rags together, sewing every piece with love. She made my coat of many colors that I was so proud of. And as she sewed, she told the story from the Bible she had read 
about a coat of many colors Jesus, Joseph wore. And then she said, perhaps this coat will bring you good luck and happiness. And I couldn't wait to wear it. And Mama blessed me with a kiss. So she wears the coat to school. And what happens? Everyone makes fun of her. They hate the coat. She's got patches on her britches and holes in both her shoes. And she's got her coat of many colors and she hurries off to school. And then she says this, and I couldn't understand it for I felt I was rich. And I told them of the love my mama sewed in every stitch. And I told them all the story mama told me when she sewed and how my coat of many colors was worth more than all their clothes. I will cry in an instant when I hear that song come on. I'm almost ready to cry now. So sappy, amazing. So we bring our coats. I think we've got to be honest that they're not that great. Our coats are more like that than letter jackets, really. They're filled with sin and stain. Um, we're a fickle people. These people that put their coats down turned on them within the week. We sang in Be Thou My Vision, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Really? Are we not heeding riches or wanting praise? But God takes our filthy rags. It says in, in Isaiah 64, 4, He takes our filthy garments and gives us His righteousness. He puts the coat on us. His inheritance comes to us. Our rebellion goes on Him. That's the exchange. With his very life for yours. Amen.